Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Let me start by showing you a couple of pictures. The first one here oh, comes from... Oh, I'm doing it with this. There we go. We're fighting. Um, first one here comes from... Uh, does anyone know what this is? Yes, Westfield, Doncaster. So in Melbourne, um, I think probably uh, one of the shopping centres that's up there to compete with Chadston, uh, if you know what that is. Uh, and this uh, shopping centre was about five minutes away from where I used to live and go to church uh, when I was in Melbourne. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, this is a place that you, you can't miss uh, as you get to uh, the, 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 the sort of north northeastern suburbs of Melbourne as you're going through Doncaster. At the top of the hill uh, rises uh, these epic glass circular windows Uh, and there are traffic lights, whether you turn left or right at this major intersection, you'll run into traffic lights that say, turn left now or turn right now to go into Westfield, Doncaster uh, and have all your desires met uh, there. And there are lots of shops in there. uh, And it's funny, coming from Tasmania and moving to Melbourne... I, I, I never actually thought you could enjoy shopping because, like, hey, let's go hang out at Northgate for a day. You know, like, kind of never really did it for me. But um, let's go hang out at Westfield Doncaster. Okay, now we're talking, right? This is, uh, this is beautiful. There's people in there playing grand pianos and uh, uh, it's very fancy and uh, you can't afford anything there. Now, the next place uh, that I want to show you here... Uh, is a bunch of people standing outside uh, in front of some rubbish bins in a laneway in Melbourne. And what they're actually doing is queuing to go in through that little door that I think you can see uh, someone walking in uh, to go into a shop called Patricia Coffee Brewers. Uh, And let me tell you that uh, if you've not been here and you want your life changed, uh, you should go here and drink delicious coffee. Uh, because uh, it is superb. They do coffee really, really well. But the thing is, unless you go there like at a time like this, which is probably either like uh, CBD lunchtime or just before nine o'clock kind of thing uh, on a a work day, it is impossible to find this place. You go there with your Google map and the Google map tells you it's dropped you kind of right in location and you look around and you can't see where it is, and it's sort of only by pure chance that you happen to sort of notice a door. Uh, And uh, I remember as I finally thought, maybe this is the right door, and I walked in, and as I walked in, I saw in the tiniest of print above the door, Patricia Coffee Brewers, and I thought, aha, yes, I'm going in the right way. Uh, Two totally different ways of doing business. Stopping the traffic and bringing as many people in as possible with its loud and flashy ways. And then the tiny little cafe that says, find me if you can. 
Two different ways of doing business, two different ways of getting in. And as we look at what Jesus talks about today in uh, uh, the reading about entering the kingdom of, of God, we see, obviously, that it's a, narrow, it's a narrow door. It's much more like Patricia than it is Westfield. And we'll see how that kind of works its way out as we go. But first, let's uh, have a look at where we started out. Uh, verses 10 through 17, we have the healing of a crippled woman. And what we really see here is, is a, an outworking of the kingdom of God uh, in practice in this woman's life. Uh, you will remember from last week, in the first nine verses of this chapter, Jesus has just talked about the problem of evil and suffering. And, and now he gives this physical demonstration of how the kingdom of God is going to solve this problem. With Jesus comes the, the, the removal of, of pain and suffering and bondage to Satan as this woman comes to Jesus and is healed on the Sabbath. Jesus brings God's kingdom to bear. Suffering, sin removed. But how do the religious leaders of the day, these guys have been such a feature of Luke's gospel uh, in the last few chapters, haven't they? And these religious leaders respond, and Kerry read it so well, indignant verse 14 indignant because jesus had healed on the sabbath the synagogue leader said to the people there are six days for work so come and be healed on those days not on the sabbath and jesus he hasn't got time much time for this kind of thinking this kind of behavior he says to he says to that man you hypocrite verse 15 you hypocrites Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? You see, the thing that's so frustrating to Jesus, uh, that he's confronting so powerfully here as he confronts this indignation uh, of the synagogue leader and he's been confronting the hypocrisy of the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law uh, for so long now is that these people they've gotten so caught up in their uh, religious rule keeping that they're actually using uh, their man-made laws as a way of actually helping them to be selfish and to not honour God. They're actually using their religion to, 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 to hide from God, to mask the fact that they don't love God at all, they just love themselves. They begrudge the freedom this woman wins from Satan, this miraculous work that Jesus has done on the Sabbath, but they're happy to do the simple work of feeding their pets. Why? Because they are selfish. They they want to be righteous without having to do what God says, without having to have any real impact on their life. But the kingdom of God comes and brings freedom 
to those bound in sin and to those who aren't wrapped up in proving their own self-righteousness, this is a delightful thing indeed. But to those who have relied on rule-keeping for their salvation, this is shocking news indeed. (laughs) What, I might actually have to take God seriously? Look how the people respond to what Jesus does. When he said this, his opponents were humiliated, but the people delighted of all the wondrous things that he was doing. How marvellous when God breaks into the world and brings his kingdom to bear in the lives of people and they are transformed. So Jesus demonstrates the kingdom first. Then we see verses 18 to 21. He gives uh, two parables to try and explain to us what the kingdom of God is like. First we see... Uh, We see there the story of the mustard seed and of yeast, both stories about small things getting big. And this is uh, an important teaching for Jesus to the people that he's talking to, for, of course, the uh, people of Jesus' day would have thought that the kingdom of God would have come in a big and unmissable way. The, The common expectation at the time is that the Jewish Messiah comes and uh, comes and kicks the Romans out of Jerusalem and returns to sit in the temple as king and restores the worship of God in the temple in, in, the, in proper ways. This was how they were expecting the Messiah to work. A sudden and decisive uh, pronouncement and experience of the kingdom of God. But of course, Jesus teaches in these parables that it's not like that. And the story, I think, of the woman that we've just read in verses 10 to 17, a good example, a singular, small event that has massive implications and massive ramifications and through whom, whose life, no doubt, the impact of the kingdom continued to be felt as she talked about what Jesus had done for her. But we also see in these parables... Something else. You remember last week that Jesus, uh, when he told the parable of the unfruitful fig tree, he was alluding to uh, uh, some Old Testament imagery. Well, again, we see in these parables, Jesus alluding to more Old Testament imagery to help us understand what he's talking about when when he tells these parables. You see, the point of these parables is is not only to tell us that the kingdom of God is going to be something that starts small but expands exponentially, but it's going to be a place of refuge for the nations. All the birds will be perched in its branches. Jesus is picking up Old Testament language here when he talks about that in verse 19. Let me read to you some examples. Psalm 104, verse 12. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. Or Daniel 4, 10 to 12. 
These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant and on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. Or perhaps most uh, importantly, Uh, For us, as we consider what Jesus is talking about here from Ezekiel, chapter 17, verse 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the forest will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. We know there that in Ezekiel, here the prophet is talking about how God is going to bring the nations in, that that though Israel may reject the Lord, God will continue to make for himself a people. And we know that the birds there represent the nations dwelling in peace in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God grows exponentially. And as it grows, more and more people from all walks of life Come and find rest in its branches. I guess we kind of see that for the the woman, don't we? As the kingdom of God comes to bear on her life and Jesus heals her, she finds rest in, in the presence of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a place where we find refuge from the pain and the brokenness of this world that Jesus starts this chapter talking about that we spoke of last week. That's a beautiful thing. And of course, Jesus then moves on to talk about how it is that we experience this joy of rest in the kingdom of God, of, of being secure in the branches of the, of the kingdom. He says uh, in verses 13 to 22, in response to this question, verse 23, will only a few be saved? It seems likely, doesn't it, that you know, they're standing there, they're listening to Jesus. He's talked about how the kingdom of God's small, uh, like, a, like a small mustard seed. Uh, and for whatever reason, this person says, will only a few people be saved? Is that what, is that, is that what you say, Jesus? And Jesus says... Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Sounds like he's saying yes, doesn't it? Well, only a few people will be saved. Well, many will try and won't be able to. Maybe the answer is yes. And in fact, as Jesus keeps answering the question, and I won't read it out, but have a look at verses 25 through 28. He goes on and he says, like, there's going to be a lot of people who miss out. People who thought they were going to be in the kingdom. And they're going to be pretty sad. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves 
thrown out. But of course, Jesus then throws in a curveball. Maybe the answer is not yes, there's not going to be many people saved, because look what he says in verses 29 to 30. But people will come from east and west, from north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. It turns out, in fact, that the kingdom of God is going to be full of people from everywhere. Feasting, enjoying the comfort of the kingdom, the bounty of the kingdom. But it's going to be a different set of people to what these religious hypocrites were thinking. It's going to be a different kind of people to even the people that you and I think might go. See, actually... In our world today, uh, there there is quite some similarity, I think, between uh, uh, the religious hypocrite and your everyday Aussie. There's some parallels between your religious hypocrite and your religious hypocrite too, don't get me wrong. But both, I think, or or the everyday average, average Aussie who still believes in God, and there are a lot of kind of God-fearing uh, Aussies who, who sort of think, you know, on balance of things, there's probably a God and I'm probably going to get into heaven if there is. And the religious hypocrites who knew there was definitely a God and knew that because they didn't heal anyone on the Sabbath and only allowed healings on the other six days, were also definitely getting in. But maybe they weren't. You see, what Jesus is saying as he answers this question about how do we get into the kingdom? How do we go through the narrow door? He's saying the road in to the kingdom is like Patricia Coffee Brewers, not like Westfield Doncaster. See, it's not going to be that uh, just because you were born into the right family that you kind of just turn left and roll on into the car park and in you go. It's not going to be that you're there by virtue of your race. You're not going to be there by virtue of your good deeds. You're not going to be be there by virtue of having tried hard or being a, 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 however society has defined, a good person. Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. And of course he means himself. Through me, there is one way into the kingdom of God. And that way is Jesus. Many people believe that if you live a good life, then God will accept you. That if you follow any religion and try your best, God will accept you. In the end, all roads lead to God. But actually, it's nothing like that at all, is it? Who goes through the narrow door? The narrow door of Jesus? Not the religious hypocrite. Not the well-meaning person. Those who say no to hypocrisy. No to their own works. 
and yes to Jesus. Well, that's a hard word. And there are many who reject it. And Jesus moves on to speak about rejecting the kingdom as we round out our reading today in verses 31 through 35. There are many who should know better. Jesus laments for Jerusalem, the city of God. And he says that he is going to be the last in a great line of prophets that have come to Jerusalem, come to God's people and have said, stop, stop trusting in yourself and trust in God. Prophet comes again and again and again to the people of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem, and again and again they fail to listen, they ignore and they kill. And of course we know that Jesus at this point in the gospel is heading to the cross. He will be the last of of the prophets killed, rejected. And in doing so, in rejecting the prophets, in rejecting Jesus, they exclude themselves from the kingdom of God. But look, verse 35, there's a way back. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And who is he who comes in the name of the Lord? That is Jesus. The way back into the kingdom of God is to repent and to see Jesus for who he really is. The blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord. And to fall on your knees and respond to that Jesus. To trust him, to follow him, to step through the narrow door. And find on the other side the comfort of the branches of the kingdom of God. To experience that in part now, but obviously in all its fullness when the Lord Jesus returns. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus calls each of us today to turn from sin, to turn from hypocrisy, to turn from striving. To go through him, to trust him. To enter the kingdom through him, the narrow door. And to find on the other side life in abundance. I have come to give you life, Jesus says, and life to the full. Will you step through the narrow door to enjoy the blessings of the kingdom through Jesus Christ? Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church, www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.